This month marked what would have been Frankie Knuckles' 65th birthday, and as we look back on the godfather of house music's legacy, we cannot ignore the fact that an important part of it was Frankie's creation of sanctuaries for the marginalized, especially black and brown folks in the LGBTQ community. Everyone deserves a safe place to dance, right? So joining me in the studio to celebrate Frankie and the foundation of inclusivity he left behind is writer and cultural critic Terrence Chappelle. Terrence, welcome back to Bogla. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Let's go back to the nightlife scene that existed in Chicago in the late 70s and early 80s as house music was beginning to take hold in the clubs. Can you paint me a picture of that scene? Well, Frankie Knuckles truly is the godfather of house music. Um, it's the birthplace of house music is in Chicago, and it's really in the warehouse. And the warehouse um, was uh, had Frankie Knuckles as its musical director, um, and it really became the sanctuary for marginalized communities, in particular LGBT people and very much gay black men who were kicked out of the communities, disowned from their families for their sexuality. And it was um, started in 1977. Um, It was located at 206 South Jefferson. So the Um, South Loop, yeah. mm, South Loop, uh, in that area. Which was not what it is today. No, it was not. (laughs) She was a little shady. You did not want to be there after dark. No, you didn't. It was a little gritty, but I'll probably still kick it back. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'll risk it all for some (laughs) What was um, going on at the time is that... um, Um, LGBT people of color were shut out of the more mainstream clubs. Um, They had to um, show multiple forms of ID. They were often denied entrance. And even if they were granted entrance, they were um, not treated very well. So the warehouse really became this hub where people can get it in, Mm -hmm. um, live live and love authentically, and really be themselves. Not not out of fear of being condemned by their their own community they came from or um, a different community who just didn't want to but I'm there. Yeah. And it's hard to imagine in 2020 a nightlife scene where brown and black and queer people were told no, considering we are the ones that hold the party. <laughs> you know, we're the ones that drive the culture. Like, you, like sh- stuff is popular because we say it's popular yeah. because we've engineered it. And I mean, when you when you listen to Frankie Knuckles in different interviews, like he says, um, he himself says, um, I don't think he set out to create a safe space. I don't think he said, um, I'm not in his mind, but I think he just wanted to make great music and wanted to share with the community. And because of, you know, his own identity, other people felt very comfortable to go there and be themselves. Um, And it it really became the spot of where people gathered in, where people chilled and like kind of were, could um, again live their truth. Talk about the warehouse and what was was good about that scene and, and why it felt so welcoming to so many people. Well, well, I think first and foremost, it, Frankie led with his passion, and anytime you lead with an endeavor with your passion and and things that you you care about, it automatically creates this this space where people can feel like they can be themselves. And the great thing about the warehouse was first and foremost the music. Mm. The music was amazing. Though he was the main musical director there, they did um, have other people that would come in, but he that was his show completely, one hundred percent. And although it was a safe space for gay black men in marginalized communities, anyone can come. Like white people can come and again like his quote says like house music isn't white or black it's just music for him and that's what when he said that that makes me think that it may not have been his intention to create a safe space but 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 that's what it became 
Um, because again, we we couldn't really, you know, I don't I don't think Bo- Boys Town wasn't around in 1977. I don't think so. Not I in mean, the way that it no, is right that, now. That is right now, and no. even and even if it was, we weren't. I mean, you still got queens today, black queens today, who are just like. Oh, chill on Boys Town. Yeah. Even though we've we've had we've made a lot of progress, there have been um, improvements and there have been some milestones to celebrate. But Boys Town and a lot of um, I would say more mainstream um, gay establishments are still overwhelmingly white. Yeah. Um, and it, it and that does t- take a toll on your psyche. But you still need these safe spaces, is because even though there's been some progress and some sec- successes that we can celebrate as a community, we still are discriminated against. Um, for an example, um, the uh, Stonewall, which is this leading um, nonprofit based in the UK, mm-hmm. um, did this study. And what they found is that the LGBT black and brown people reported being dis- discriminated against in their local LGBT areas in Britain. Mm. And so that may be abroad, but like that's something that we experience here. And so that tells me that we still need these safe spaces because in addition to us being able to feel comfortable and you know express our identity um, without fear of um, being condemned or, or whatever, um, it, it also is where history thrives yeah. in safe spaces. Uh, we have shows like Pose in, in 2019, 2020 that represent a dramatization about the late 80s and early 90s in the in the time that the warehouse occupied and what it looked like for folks on the fringes to come together. And that's, yeah, like I said, that's a dramatization. But in 1990, the world's most perfect film, Paris is Burning, came mm-hmm. out. It's a documentary. And it pulled back the curtain of that life for people who uh, maybe uh, did not have any idea that that was going on. Uh, And black and brown queer people built this New York ball scene. And I want to play a bit from that to kind of talk about the need for these spaces where these young people finally felt safe to be themselves. This is Pepper LaBeja. When someone has rejection from their mother and father, their family, when they get out in the world, they search. They search for someone to fill that void. I know this for experience because because I've had kids come to me and latch hold to me like I'm their mother or like I'm their father because they can talk to me and I'm gay and they're gay and that that's where a lot of that baldness in the in the mother business comes in because their real parents give them such a hard way to go. They look up to me to fill that void. So that was Pepper LaBeja. She's the mother of the legendary House of LaBeja, and she's discussing the catalyst for marginalized folks turning to balls in different houses for acceptance. Writer Terrence Chappelle is in studio with me to talk about the late, great Frankie Knuckles' role in that capacity here in Chicago. Do you think Frankie saw himself as a house music house mother of sorts? Or do we put that on him later on? That's a really good question. I think Frankie Knuckles, and unfortunately, I, I, I've never met him personally. I've been to some of his sets in the past. But um, if I like, just kind of like based on research and kind of like my gut feeling, I think he just wanted to make good music. Yeah. And I think he just wanted to do something different. And like when you look at history makers who kind of um, are legends or icons, they never set out to be famous. They never set out to like, I want to change the culture. They just set out because like, I just want to, I want to make, I think he wanted to make the community a better place through music. Yeah. And it's it's your classic example of like, if you build it, they will come. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I think he just welcomed all people. And again, it just became um, because of his own identity and mm-hmm. because he was so 
great with like kind of sharing his passion and his drive. It became the safe space. And um, and you see iterations of the rare house. Unfortunately, a lot of I can't. It was funny when I was pre- preparing for this interview, I was trying to think of are there any like current places like the rare house? And it's not that many because yeah. um, historically um, gay black clubs back then also became meeting spots for black men to meet and discuss HIV and the AIDS epidemic. And I know on South Shore there is Jeffrey's Pub, yeah. there's Club Escape, but those are, the, those are the only two I can think of. Yeah. I mean, Queen, which although it is very fun, Queen and, at Smart Bar, mm-hmm. um, which is this monthly residency for listeners who don't know about, um, not monthly, weekly residency yeah. every Sunday, um, where they often play disco and house music. They had one this past Sunday where they were playing um, some great Frankie Knuckles um, tribute. But um, that has historical ties to what to what the warehouse was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, um, although it is fun, it's become very, um, you know, uh, I would say transcultural, which is not always a bad thing. However, a lot of times when that happens, people forget its historical ties and, like, who engineered that, yeah. um, which is often us, black folks. Yeah. And you've written that authentic customs and cultural symbols and identities are often weakened and devalued as gentrification rises, social media making culture more accessible and fluid, and the scale of transculturalism. Tell me more about that statement. Unpack that. Yeah, definitely. So you, we, we talked about Pose and we talked about Paris is Burning. Um, you and I know what Paris is Burning. But it's still not very much a mainstream thing. For example, when Madonna came out with the Vogue video, mm-hmm. and I was guilty of this. I didn't know Voguing came from no. the streets of Harlem in New York, and and it was by these LGBT black and brown homeless youth. I did. I just I thought Madonna was the one that started. And I'm trying to think of like I'm trying to think of when I found that out. Yeah. And so that <laughs> and I can't think of that. like I can't remember when I found it out. But like I think Pose did a great job of kind of providing that historical context yeah. of like no, this is how it started, yeah. and the idea of chosen family like. And that's what we didn't like. And not to down Madonna, like I, have, I got love for Madonna too. But um, that's where it's really about, like voguing and this idea of houses is about. It's this whole concept of chosen family because your blood family either disowned you and, and kicked you out. And so when you do listen to something like a Madonna voguing or, or who else, or like when the Kardashians get the cornrows and you kind of you know in their front and center and they're and they're kind of doing this thing, you don't know the historical significance of it. You don't yeah. know why voguing. You know, no, this was like an escape for these kids. This was this. This is how these kids like literally survived. Yeah. Um. And really ninja of like kind of being a house a house mother and being a leader. And he said something so powerful when he said you have to have something to offer to lead. Yeah. Um. And I think you see that in Frankie Knuckles. And so like when you do see like these current iterations of like for an example like pick on Queen like Queen, which is fun. You don't and you just kind of go. You don't know like what what they were trying to model Queen after. It's like this current like remix of the warehouse kind of um and the purpose of the warehouse really it became the safe the safe space and destination so that's why it's so important that you know we have these discussions and that you know we do um you know i like to kick it too but we do go to like sometimes discussions i think rebuild the foundation Mm -hmm. um does a great rebuild foundation on the south side stony island arts bank has their frankie knuckles vinyl collection yeah and this past weekend they did a great job they had dj um 
um, Dwayne Powell, like choosing um, different vinyls from the collection and oh God, kind of I'd be so nervous. It, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's why you kind of need people like, you know, you need institutions like Rebuild Foundation and you need institutions like the, the Frankie Knuckles um, Foundation to really propagate what house music is about and what it created historically. Well, I'm glad that we've been able to have this conversation to, to let the this generation's legendary children know this history. Uh, Taryn Chappelle, thank you for joining me. How can people find all of the work that you do for all of the people online? For sure. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Terrence underscore Chappelle. Yeah. And same on Facebook. Thank you for, for all of the work that you do, and thank you for helping us all remind folks that Frankie Knuckles may not be here in body anymore, but his spirit and his legacy is uh, like baked into the spirit of Chicago. So Always, of thank course. you so much. Thank Listen you. to some house music today. Get it in, folks. Yeah. <laughs>